You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's go. Jackson, excellent job. Thank you, sir. Play some Green Day for me next time out. You got it. Bill, Bill Burr at, at Fenway tonight. Ooh. That's going to be good. I have a couple of buddies going, and I'm jealous. I, I want to get a report from them because I'm a little – I think you'll be awesome. I love Bill Burr, but the, the, the comedy whole, aspect of the Fenway. Well, yeah, the whole dynamic. Is it too big? Is it too is, – is it, Fenway's the worst place to see a concert. No, but that's what I mean. So for a concert, I saw Green Day there. was awesome. Awesome. I actually saw every band that was there last year because we were doing the broadcast in the back room. My dad, who was 89 years old, he went to the Guns N' Roses concert, technically, because he was in the back room with us. Not he's, bad. He still, not, has the, not he bad. still has a slash. All right. I don't want to keep my good friend Chris Hatfield in line um, any more than he needs to be because he's going to be with us all the live long day because people want to talk to him. Uh, we want to talk to him. There's no better person to talk to about the future of the Boston Red Sox than Chris Hatfield of SoxProspects.com. Chris, what's going on, my friend? And he comes to us oh, on the Harbor One Hotline. All right, Jackson, we get it. The Harbor, Harbor One Hotline. The boss yeah. gave me a high five for reminding you before, right, well, so I'm doing well, it again. Tell him to come in here. Here, it's the Harbor One Hotline. Everyone, Thank everyone, you. it's the Harbor One Hotline. Chris Hatfield, what's going on? Chris, what's Rob, it's a pleasure to be here with you on the Harbor One. Oh, <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> Thank Chris you, Chris. Chris. You're welcome, Harbor One. Uh, all right, Chris, man, um, how's everything going? Like, you feeling good about things? You know, like, first of all, this is a that we're coming to the sort of we're winding down the minor league system while also amping mm-hmm. up uh, a lot of these guys' careers and being promoted and so forth and so on. You're breaking stories all over the place. How you feel about things? <laughs> Yeah, it is funny. I mean, like the the rookie ball leagues regular seasons end this week. So yeah, it's we're we're winding stuff up. It, it feels like it comes on quick because you don't expect it to come at the end of August. But it's been a good year on the farm for the most part. I mean, you know, we've had years where, you know, I can distinctly remember you'd look at the top fifteen and like every pitcher was either hurt or walking walking the entire you know system uh, for the other teams or you know the hitter the hitters weren't hitting etc for the most part we got a bunch of you know positive outcomes and and you know guys joining the farm system this year it, it's it's going the right direction and you know look I, I you're going to have the Bluminati saying, you know, you know, and how we trust for that. You're going to, you know, and then you're going to have, oh, you know, who cares? The major league team is not going to make the playoffs. I mean, the reality is somewhere in between, right? You're, you're trying to build, and, and Bloom would, would say this, you're trying to build a sustainable system. Now, you know, Heim Bloom didn't cause the best player in last year's draft to fall to number four, right? You know, Heim Bloom, you know, didn't draft Tristan Cossus, right? And that's your number two guy. Um, so, you know, that's part of it. Uh, and, and, you know, some of the stuff is you – trust your your scouting and your player dev guys and and you know some of that time some of that isn't but you know it's it's all about nuance which maybe we'll get into some of it maybe we won't but you know whatever folks want to talk about let's do it man right. whatever you want to talk all right about, well this is chris hatfield on the harbor one hotline and uh and i want to remind everybody because this is a unique opportunity 617-779-7937 to get the what's what when it comes to the Red Sox Meyer League is more than Coop or I or anybody else can give. I mean, Chris follows this along with his team at SoxProspects.com better than anyone. So 
there's a lot. To, I mean, I hope you can hang on for a little bit because there's a lot to get to here, Chris. And so one of the things I'm going to start at the top, at the tippity top. And by the way, I don't know mm-hmm. if did you hear our, our good friend from um, uh, Jeremy from um, from Perfect Game? PG? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I heard that you had him on when I was listening before I came on, but I, I did not hear him. Yeah, he was great. He was, I mean, he was great. And he's talking about Mikey Romero, and we'll get to Mikey a little mm-hmm, bit. But mm-hmm. and he basically flat out, Coop, tell me if I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said like I almost guarantee unless he gets hurt, he's going to be a major league player. You're d- you're dumbing that down. You said it. He said second coming of Jesus Christ. He did. That's true. Yeah. All right, my apologies. <laughs> uh, so so Chris. I want to start at the tippity top here, Marcelo Meyer. Sure. Um, yep. We did the exercise. Yep. I did the exercise because people wanted to know when this guy was going to be up. He got promoted. Um, he's now mm-hmm. at Greenville. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greenville, correct? Yes, Greenville. I lose track. Yep. And um, so, if you do the scenario of, and I think I think I saw you do this too, the scenario of um, uh, who was it? Oh, Bobby Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr., right? Sure. So, yep. number two pick in the draft, he gets up to the major leagues, uh, basically, which would be the equivalent, I think, of 2024 for Mar- Marcelo Meyer, right out of the gate. Now, of course, you throw in the pandemic year, so that's a little off. But then you have Corey Seager, who was a mid-round, first-round pick. Same sort of deal would be the 2024 uh, season, but uh, in September. What is mm-hmm. for, is it is it a bad uh, scenario to say okay you know what these things could actually lead us to figure out when this guy's going to be called up and is Marcelo Meyer sort of going the same trend as those sort of guys well you look at that yeah I mean guide posts like that are are you know th- th- that's what you have to compare them to right and I think I think the wit timeline is just so unique I mean remember I don't know if you remember this Rob last year in camp there were rumors that Witt was going to break camp with the major league team in Kansas City which was bonkers right like just absolutely crazy the dude had barely played in the minors yet um with meyer we have an eta on him of late 2024 um he just got promoted from low a salem to high a greenville which it is confusing because they flipped it last year on us so if if you've been following longer you almost get punished because you remember when they were in the other direction but you know, if you figure he starts, he start, he's going to start next year at Greenville. I can't imagine they promote him to Portland after, you know, what, a month, essentially, a little more than a month. You know, he has a good year next year in Greenville, gets to Portland mid to late season, gets to Worcester sometime in 2024, and then once you're in Worcester, all bets are off. Um, yeah, I could see late 2024. As which a, would be the, a, which would know, be the, along the lines of the Corey Seager continuum. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's you know he's doing everything right. The, I mean, the thing is, this year he dealt with the wrist injury that basically took away a month. Um, so right there, who knows? I mean, does that push the timeline back a month? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Let but, me you ask know, you, these things. These let, are what things. What happens? Right. Let, let me ask you this, Chris. I'll, I'll, yep. So you know, we when he's drafted, we get all excited, and, and like you said, mm-hmm. maybe the best player in the draft, so forth and so on. Is he what has he become? What you thought he would be, and this isn't like to say what he's going to be, but at this point, is he what you thought he was going to be? So far, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you look at the line in Salem this year at nineteen, um, nine ten OPS, just to make it nice and simple over the over the airwaves. You know, we've realized saying the whole slash line over the radio doesn't make for great radio, <laughs> but you know. Um, you know, 26 doubles in 66 games, you know, and, and Salem is a tough park for hitters. It's, it's you know, the Carolina League is very pitcher-friendly in terms of numbers, so you have to 
you know, keep numbers in mind for that as well. You know, you, you kind of lower your expectations of what the line's going to look like a little bit. He's hitting. He's playing a solid shortstop. Um, he's doing all of this without me seeing him because the first time Salem came to my area, he was hurt. Second time they came to my area that I saw them, I, I saw him in a game where he clearly was had some kind of back issue. It was a doubleheader, and he sat the second game. And the first game he was swinging through 91. It's like, okay, clearly that's not what this has been happening all year. But he's, you know, there's a reason he's a consensus top 20 or better prospect. Um, he can field the position at short, looks the part. He's hitting. He's showing a little bit of pop, which, you know, he doesn't profile as a power hitter, but he, he you know, could run into some, you know, average to above average game power, maybe even a little better at his peak if everything broke perfectly. He's doing what we would hope he would do, you know, and that's all you can, can ask for with a guy that low in the minors. Now, you know, the one thing I would add is I'm sure there are plenty of people who hear this and say, okay, well, he's a shortstop. He's coming in 2024. Does that affect what we do with the current shortstop? I always say you do not plan your major league team around a minor league player till they're at least in double A and performing. Mm. So that adds a degree of difficulty to what, you know, do, do you approach Sander Bogarts differently because of the fact that Marcelo Meyer is playing well? I would not yet um, because who knows, maybe Meyer moves, maybe Bogarts moves. You know, I can remember when, oh, well, what are you going to do with Mookie Betts? You have a second baseman was something <laughs> that we were getting asked daily, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they had Dustin Pedroia, and then like that winds up changing. Well, I'll give you another one. Direction. I'll give you another one. Moncada. Yeah. I mean, Moncada was the guy. Well, sure. like, I mean, we w- we would go sure. up to Pedroia and say, "Hey, you know what? What do you think about this Moncada kid coming up?" But Chris, um, can you hang on a little bit longer because we got to take a quick sure. break here? We got. Of we, course, yeah. We, we, I'm, I'm here as long as you need me, Rob. All right, awesome. Because we get a lot to get to. All right, if you want to join in the conversation, six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven on here, Chris Hatfield on the Harbor One Hotline. He's going to be with us for a little bit longer talking all about Red Sox prospects. He is the guy along with his team at SoxProspects.com. Who's this, Jack? Is that a serious question? Yeah, you asked for it. Fake fan. Oh, my gosh. Jack, you know this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm very shocked. Not in my rotation. This is uh, why you should have played Cage the Elephant when I asked. Oh, I, I, I have to. Don't worry. Okay, don't right. you worry about me. You, I put, don't, you put Rob don't, ahead of me. Don't I you worry prayers. about him. Well, it's his, it's, I'm worried about you. Uh, you don't even know the band that you like. Uh, his name's on the show, man. I have to All go. Right. All right. right, there you go. All right, this, True. Is, this is the aforementioned Bradford Show. I'm Rob Bradford, along with Coop Jackson, and we're, we're still privileged enough to have Chris Hadfield of SoxProspects.com on the Harbor One Hotline with us still. And by the way, so Chris... I know that Coop wants mm-hmm. to get to uh, a question here. And uh, we should note this also. This is Major League News uh, from Ian Brown down in Williamsport. I'm not talking about the skies are brightening in Williamsport because I still don't believe it. I think rain is coming on the way. But that's just the type of mentality I'm in right now. I think the clouds are always forming. Um, but like he does. Alice Core does say, he said, Avaldi's uh, <laughs> predictably not, not ready to go for Tuesday. He said, Nate... He's not going to start on Tuesday. He hasn't been able to bounce back in the same area. The trap kind of there, IL, we don't know yet. But he won't start on Tuesday. That's where we're at. Well, you know, I, I say this to, to Coop, Chris. Uh, there's, they are like over when it comes to the proper di- or proper timeline for guys getting hurt. It's amazing. I mean, like every guy that they have, they say, oh, he'll be out in a couple of days, and then it ends up being a month. I've never seen a season like it. It's, like, so predictable. But anyway, there you go. Well, they're, 
They're certainly over telling us at least. No, I, I know. I think might be a, a bit of I think of nuance, though at some yeah. point so I, I agree though. Yeah, and I think at some point and I get that. Like that's I think that that's what they go in with this mindset of we're going to downplay everything, but at some point you got to jump ship from that. You have to actually give a little mm-hmm. bit of reality. But that hey, listen. That's that's is what it is. Are but, you are you referencing the movie Don't Look Up? Because I don't think things worked out too well for them. I don't know. I don't know. You were so, half asleep watching that at the All-Star Weekend. Oh, there you go. There you well, go. That, that I had to refresh your I brain I was half, half asleep doing a lot of things in All-Star Weekend. <laughs> uh, okay, so we before I get to Coop's question for you, Chris, um, someone asked about a guy, speaking of All-Star Weekend, which Coop and I mm-hmm. saw, poor guy, six pitches, two outs, um, Sedan Raffaella. Uh, I had, I had, and Chris, I don't know if you saw this. I had someone in Portland call him the best prospect that he's seen come through a Red Sox system in 20 years. I had someone say he immediately is the best Eastern League player right now. Uh, I am, mm-hmm. as much like the Twitter person, I am also anxious to get your take on Sedan Raffaella. Yeah, I, I did see that. Um, and hey, folks' opinions are their opinion. Um, <laughs> Look, we like Sedan Raffaella. Right now, he's eighth on our rankings. He's probably going to scoot up, I think, probably to sixth when we do our update on September 1. So just to give folks a bit of a preview. Um, you know, we like him a lot. Uh, I do think he may be we, – we don't like him as much. He's a top 100 prospect on Baseball America. And I don't say that to say that, well, they're wrong. It's just, you know, th- there are folks out there who we whose opinions we definitely respect that really – you know, really like this guy. And he's a great prospect. Defensive player as good as any in the system. Uh, he may be un- honestly not approached by anyone else in the system. Just a tremendous, you know, double-plus glove in center field. It turns in a highlight real grab once a week, it seems. Who can also play shortstop at a above-average to plus level. So imagine that, like, Jackie Bradley could also play short. Um, which is kind of crazy, right? Um, so kind of crazy how like Mookie Betts could also play yeah. second base. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, but it's like I mean, they you know they they still play Rafaela at short one day a week, and you, you just to keep that versatility. And I mean, last year in Salem, he was playing all over the field at an above average to plus level. You know, just a, a real innate ability with the glove, strong arm. The one thing that I I want to see is how the bat translates. Uh, in double A, you know, putting up an 849 OPS again to kind of, you know, oversimplify hitting for a fair amount of power for a guy that's got a small frame again, not to bring uh, a certain Tennessean uh, <laughs> to mind, but uh, you know, he, he can certainly hit for some pop belying his size. But that said, you know, he does like to expand the zone. He will chase outside the zone and has been working on it. Uh, that's something you go watch Portland take BP and the coaches will, you know, just spike a bunch of balls, throw a bunch outside of the zone to get him to work on not swinging at everything. You know, his BP takes three times as long as anyone else's because of that. Um, but, you know, it's, he's working on it. It's not to say we don't think he's going to be able to fix it. It's just it's a it's development like, point. So, he, so he's the middle-aged man of, uh, of AA. I'm working on it. So that's that's an old Saturday yeah. I like I rest. But, <laughs> exactly. But, but you know, it's a major league floor, at least on a bench, and I we really like him. Could be a lot more if the bat translates. Yeah, sure. and he's so and so player. fair or unfair, like Coop mentioned, you know, and you mentioned the Mookie Best thing, because, you know, he's a smaller guy, he's excelling, he's mm-hmm. uh, infielder, outfielder, whatever. But having yep. seen him in person and talking to him, like this is a thing, Coop was there too. Like 
Mookie, like, so Rafaela, as he said, he was signed as 130 pounds. He's at 150-something mm-hmm. now. Mookie was signed yep. at 160 or around there, 150-something. Mookie, as small as he is, Rafaela is smaller. Like, this is, we yeah. have to understand that. This is guy isn't going to come out into the frame that Mookie Betts is. I think that that's one of my takeaways anyway. Uh, 100%. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's fair. Because the thing, too, with Betts is he has an innate ability to put the barrel on the baseball and not to swing at a single pitch outside of the zone that he cannot do damage on. It, it's, that's what makes Mookie Betts such a terrific hitter. Rafaela doesn't have that, and that's not a knock on Rafaela. That's saying, you know, it's calling someone not Mookie Betts is is not an insult by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he's got 18 home runs this year. I would probably be surprised if he were an 18 home run major leaguer, right? Uh, it's probably going to be more like 10 in doubles power, but he can also run. Uh, he's got plus speed too, so he's going to, you know, impact the game on the base pass as well. It's an intriguing offensive package. He's not Mookie Betts as much as, you know, you look at him hit and you, you kind of squint and you can see Betts, right, with the, <laughs> the stature and the stance and everything. And it's dangerous because then you just start wanting to see it everywhere else. Uh, he's an exciting player, but not to compare him to Mookie Betts is, is definitely unfair to Rafael, who's an exciting young prospect in his own right, maybe not to the same level as Betts, but a guy who I think you're going to see on the rest, presuming he doesn't get traded because who knows, but um, you know, you're going to see him in the major leagues at least before too long. He's spent half the year in Portland, uh, probably a little more, uh, you know, next year he'll probably spend a good deal of it in, in Worcester, even if he starts the year in Portland. And like I said, once you're in Worcester, you're up when the team needs you uh, more or less uh, for the most part. So uh, who knows Well, I think we see him in the major leagues next year, if everything breaks right. And, like I said, he's very, very high floor because of what he can do defensively on the base paths and got a little bit of pop. It's just how the hit tool actualizes. Chris, I, I, I need to ask because it's... By the know, way, this is Chris Hatfield of SoxProspects.com on the Harbor One Hotline. The one and only. Go ahead. The one and only. Chris, I, I need to know how the guys that we got back in the Vazquez trade, and that's that's Emmanuel Valdez, and is it well is it Wilier? Is that am I pronouncing that correctly? I think so. Yeah, I, I haven't been at a game and heard his name called yet, but we'll, while your sounds right, we'll roll with that for now. But obviously, it's far too soon to to make judgments on these guys. But it's eh. mm-hmm. oh, you you think what like two weeks, <laughs> well, we two like and to, a half we weeks like to hear is good enough? Now. Yeah, go ahead. But I mean, what have you seen from them so far in, in the Red Sox organization? And anything that might have intrigued Heim when they were with the Astros has that carried over to here? Sure. So, so we'll start with, uh, with Emmanuel Valdez, who was definitely the better of the two prospects. Um, the, the book on him was that he can absolutely hit. It's not clear where he's going to play defensively. And that has borne out since coming over uh, to Worcester. Valdez is hitting for 844 OPS. He's got four bombs. I want to say he's got maybe a walk-off. Um, they've, they've had a few walk-offs uh, in Worcester recently, and I think he might have one of them. He's absolutely been hitting. You know, the batting average is only 226, but he's getting on base and he's hitting for power, and there are indications that, you know, the batting average will come up. So he has absolutely been hitting. The question is where his defensive home is going to be. You know, is he a second baseman? Is he a left fielder? And he's kind of been playing all over. And I was talking about this on, on the Woo Sox pregame the other day. It's like, well, he's versatile. It's like, well, I don't know that he's versatile. I think, you know, not having a defensive home uh, with, with Valdez is a lot different than, say, a Rafaela being defensively versatile, right? So we're going to have to wait and see where he fits uh, on the field and, and what then, 
what do you then expect out of the bat? Because, you know, the expectations offensively for a left fielder are much different than the offensive expectations of a second baseman, right? And so that that's really going to be a question. But he has more or less been, as advertised, the guy who can hit. Uh, they're going to have to add him to the 40-man uh, roster this offseason. I don't think there's any question they're going to. They wouldn't have traded for him. Actually, they need to add him. I think he's actually a minor league free agent, uh, believe it or not. Uh, it would, you know, the, the 2020 lost season did a lot of weird stuff with guys to, you know, becoming Rule 5 eligible and minor league free agency eligible. But he'll get added to the 40-man roster, I presume, within the first five days after the World Series and, and you know, be on the 40-man roster next year. Uh, Abreu, who... According to the Sea Dogs roster, which I just, oh, of course they don't have it on there yet, so never <laughs> mind. I was going to pull up the, the pronunciation for you. But anyway, uh, Abreu is kind of a little bit different. Glove first guy who, you know, can really go pick it. They think he profiles, scouts think he profiles best in a corner, but could be an average defender in right, you know, maybe below average in center, plus arm. Uh, you know, the question is how the hit tool develops and, and how his long term uh, potential turns out. Uh, maybe a, maybe a fringe regular there, but these are guys who you know both were top thirty prospects. Um, you know, building on that depth and, and look, the, neither guy is a guy who I'm penciling in as a future starter in the major leagues for the Boston Red Sox at this time. But I, I need to couch that because that's not something you say about a lot of guys in the minors. You know, you've got ceiling floor. These are both guys who you know we threw a, a, a five ceiling on both, but maybe with a little more time seeing them, a little more. You know, development in the system. Maybe the team thinks they can unlock something in them. Uh, you know, you, your your pro scout says, "Hey, this guy. If we tweak the swing a little bit, we th- I think he could take off." Team buys in. They bring him in. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. And we'll see what happens. Um, so it's you know what we heard at the time of the trade, and this is really what it boils down to: is that's about as good as you could have hoped to have done. Mm, for I've heard that two too. Months. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually heard as much as as much Chris as much as we sort of pick through the. The impact of trading Christian Vasquez, Christian Vasquez had on the major league roster. The scouts will tell you said they did pretty well for that trade. Like that's you know exactly. is what it is, and that's why they did it, and that's why they did it because they don't want to be left holding the bag on a guy when they think they can get something for him. Which you know you were talking before I hopped on about the approach at the deadline, and hey, I get not agreeing with it, right? But they don't want to be left holding the bag on a guy that they think they can get more value down the road if they move him now even if it leads to a little bit of the rearranging the deck chairs sort of a scenario, right? So I get why they made that move. It's weird, by the way, that Vasquez has basically been a backup in Houston. um, which is Doing an incredible job at it, though. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, but it's funny. Reese McGuire has... Doesn't Reese McGuire have more at-bats than Vasquez? Yeah, he does. It's, 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 It's an interesting conversation just because... You know, there's no tangible way of, like, saying, well, this has had the impact on... Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. All I can tell you, Chris, is being around right. those guys in the, in the days after it was it was you know it was uncomfortable for them. But I think a mm-hmm. bigger impact was the fact is that you traded away a reliever and you didn't get one back, and you had to pitch Starwinds and Hernandez in that reliever's role. Anyway, that's a different mm-hmm. situation. So, a guy you got have at number five in the SoxProspects.com rankings, Miguel Blaze. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, 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 I mean, man. so we talked about Mar- Marcelo Meyer. I kind of get mm-hmm. the feeling, Chris, that mm-hmm. you're more excited about this guy than any other guy in, in the Red Sox system right now. I don't know that I would put it quite that way, but you're you're not. Uh, I'm on the trial, you know. On it, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
we've got him at five. I'm kind of surprised that we're the only ones who do have him that high right now. You know, and I think it's mostly just whether you like him or, 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 or you know, Raphael better, which I guess. Well, before Raphael we go on, sure, before but, we go on, can I, can I ask you a question yeah. about these rankings? Not yeah. necessarily your rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Sure. You know, it, it actually it's not your rankings here. You guys are the opposite. Like I, I really rely on you guys. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. Jeter Downs stayed where he did as long as he did, it baffles me. It baffles me. Like it, it's so. Here's I, yeah. I've seen I've yeah. seen this guy in spring training a, a ton, right? Like whatever, ever since he was traded, I've been following him. Like it, obviously throughout the minor leagues, I've seen him in the major leagues. I've I've heard scouts talk. I like it just. And routinely, he would land in the top five. Like, I didn't get this. Part of it, and I think we got kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, is the, the threshold at second base, Rob, especially when we all thought that he was going to have to move off of short, which, by the way, I mean, he's, he's improved tremendously on defense since they acquired him, right, which is not something you can really see in the numbers, but he can, pro- he can handle short in the major leagues now probably, right? The threshold for a middle infielder to hit is not very high, especially right now. So that's part of it is the expectation is different for him than it is for, say, Tristan Casas over at first base. Tristan Casas has to absolutely mash to have the same impact that Downs could have at second base. He looks the part, and he's had this habit, even since they acquired him, of providing these flashes. He got hot at the end of last season. He got hot in the Arizona Fall League. He had one stretch. I mean, heck, look at him when he first came up a yeah. little bit. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, a couple big hits. Yeah. And then he, he went back down to Worcester, and it's like, oh, he's got his confidence back, which, I mean, you and I, I think we've discussed this, but certainly you watch the guy play. Half of it is his confidence. I mean, he came out of last year. I mean, we saw the same thing in camp. He looked like a guy that was defeated when he got into the box sometimes, yeah. right? Because he was trying to figure out, do I have a leg lift? Do I just use a toe tap? What are my swing mechanics? Which is not something you want to be. I mean, we just went through this whole exercise with Jaron Durant, right? That's not something you want to see a guy figuring out at the major league or even AAA level necessarily. But that said, he's working on it, so that's good. You know, but then he becomes old Jeter Downs again, right? So I think I think that's what it is, is it's, you don't want to bury the guy quite yet. I mean, we've at this point got him down at, uh, uh, where did he wind up? 23. Yeah. I couldn't even find him. You know? Yeah. He's at 23 right now, you know, a, a potential future value for guy. And I think at this point he's kind of down in the pack. I'm, I'm kind of at this point. Yeah, and by, know, and by the way, Chris, I didn't want to, I don't want to derail you from your Miguel blaze enthusiasm. Sorry. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I apologize. So that's, that's fine. What's no, no, no. It's good. We're, we're, we're bringing the train back around to Blaze. So Blaze, a guy who's been in the – he's in rookie ball right now. He has been out since the 11th due to some lower back stiffness is what I'm hearing. I think if he has been healthy, he would be in Salem right now. He would be in low-A Salem. I don't think he was long for that league. He has hit very well, 895 OPS as an 18-year-old, potential five-tool guy, potential stud. Uh, I think ceiling as high as any, potentially higher than Myers. Honestly, Ooh, I think the wow. floor is lower. Look, the floor is lower. Let me let me throw that in there, right? Who knows what happens to these guys when they get to full season ball? I ignore rookie ball statistics. Completely ignore them. It's nice when a guy is hitting, it's bad when a guy is not hitting. The the they play the same five or six teams over and over again. And you have some of these teams that have two two rookie ball teams like the Orioles 
we heard from some scouts last year that some of those teams in the Florida Complex League were among the worst professional baseball hmm. teams that scouts had ever seen in their so lives. So in your in your right. mind, like when when can you really start putting weight on some of these statistics when you see guys? Like at what at what league are you sure. like, all right, now we can really like consider this guy an MLB caliber player? I, I hate to say it this way, but it depends on the guy. And let me give you an example. Nico Cavadas is a guy who has made a lot of noise this year was recently promoted from Greenville to Portland. It was his second promotion this year. He started the year in Salem. First baseman drafted as a senior out of Notre Dame. We said it, I think, coming out of camp. This is a guy who has a professional approach. You know, college guy does not swing outside of the zone. He's not going to have high strikeout rates because he doesn't chase pitches, right? We're, I'm ignoring his stats until we get to double A. Just he, he's going to, and sure enough, he, I mean, we didn't know he would mash the way he did. He's, he's a candidate for our offensive player of the year. But that type of guy coming out of college, I don't care how he does against 19-year-olds in the, in the Carolina League. He's going to tear him up, right? He's not going to swing at pitches out of the zone. He's going to find a pitch to destroy and hit it about 450 feet, and that's what he did. Now that he's in Double A, we're paying. I'm paying a little more attention to how he does on a night in, night out basis. Well, unfortunately, guys, unfortunately, we have an example of that. Our our guy, our friend of the program, Alex. our team member, uh, Alex Benellis, is struggling in Double A. He, he is, and then look, you know, we've heard that he's working on some things down there. He actually did an interview the other day where he's kind of retooling his swing, working on his hand positioning. Wait a second, he did an interview that wasn't sanctioned by us. Coop, what's going on? Uh, That's that. well, it, you know, I think it was. Uh, maybe, well, don't maybe backpedal here. Did he? Did he actually? Out. Well, listen. In, in fairness, in fairness, Chris, he all his attention is on our fantasy football league draft a week from a week okay. from tomorrow. I was about to say, as commissioner, I might need to step in here, yeah. meet with the uh, the committee and everything, and figure out you know what's best. Yeah, listen, for Alex he could get caught. It doesn't league. make a difference. He's part of the family. All right, uh, but Chris, we have to take a quick break. Can you hang on for one let's more segment? No, let's do it, man. All, All right, on. awesome stuff from Chris Hatfield, Sox prospects. Dot com. This is the Bradford Show. I'm Rob Bradford. Coop, Jack's me on the glass. We'll be back right after this. The Bradford Show on WEEI. WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Excellent job, Jackson. Excellent job. All right, this is the Bradford Show. I'm Rob Bradford. Along with Coop. How's it going? It's going great. It's going. It's been going fantastic. Even better since Chris Hatfield joined us on the Harbor One Hotline. Chris Hatfield, of course, of SoxProspects.com, the place to go when it comes to all things Red Sox prospects, all things Red Sox minor league. And, 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 by the way, I'm just looking at the rankings here, and you have a guy mm-hmm. whose name, Ryan's was Miston Massis. Um, and, uh, and everyone's very excited about like him being called up. And, and as you, uh, I think so succinctly had pointed out, they're waiting and waiting and waiting because if you, you have to, if you qualify for the rookie yeah. of the year and you get rookie of the year, you're top three rookie of the year, right? You get draft picks. Is that right? Correct. I, I think, so. I think it's actually, if you win it, someone pointed out to me the other day that at least, um, one, one certain athletic national writer who used to be on this beat, um, when he wrote up the CBA, which the CBA hasn't been released is the problem. So we haven't seen the language yet. I'm, I'm a lawyer at my day job, and I'm, I want to see the language, but I, they, it hasn't been released yet. I think if you win the Rookie of the Year, the team can get picks, or if you win, like, top three in MVP. Uh, over a are you one of, time, Being a lawyer, are you one of the guys who actually reads through the CBA? 
I don't read through the whole stupid thing. Absolutely not. I got. I. I do not have that kind of time. But like, I've read through things like how they calculate average. So you're also the one person like who reads Evangelic, right? Correct. I mean, that's who I was talking about. Yes, <laughs> I'll be honest too. All right, oh, there, there you go too. Hey, Evan's got a book coming out. There you go. February fourteenth. Well, I mean, it's very timely. You want you? It's about we always Houston talk Astros. about putting stuff out timely. You want to talk about something that's not timely? <laughs> well, listen, we love giving Evan crap. He does a good job, mm-hmm. and he may win a Pulitzer. Who knows? Uh, all right, Tristan Cassis. Uh, what's yep. your take on him? Um, I know that. When he first came back, a little bit slow, has heated up. We see every time he hits a home run, everyone gives a video of him. Everyone gets excited. But I, I, I'm leaning on you, Chris, to give me a dose of reality of when Kristen Cassis does get called up, what we can realistically expect from this guy. Well, I, I, I will. He was slow when he came back in his first few games, but in his last 20 games, he's got a OPS over 1,000. He is raking. Um, so that's not going to slow the train down at all, I'm sure. But he is hitting better than he has all year. Uh, and, and to get get to the thing that I, you were alluding to, Rob, Tuesday is the day after which if a guy gets called up, he's not going to hit the service time to lose his rookie eligibility. I, I think I tweeted the wrong date twice. But Sorry. I think you, you, you uh, proclaimed it here. That's all Tuesday. that counts. Yeah, Casas watch starts on Tuesday. I think I'm not saying they're going to call him up on Tuesday, right? Like I don't think they're necessarily waiting for that. But that said, if if Hosmer's back is still barking, I don't see why he wouldn't pull the trigger. The one problem, and you know, look, there's a fairly otherwise obvious Dahlbeck for Casas swap that they could make. Uh, the problem is handedness. Casas hits left-handed, as does Hosmer. So yeah, but here here's a scenario that I put out there because. Everyone seems to like Eric Hosmer and leader, and I do think there's a value to having a guy like that in a clubhouse. The mm-hmm. DH spot next year, I mean, I'm at, it's kind of a square peg round hole situation still, but I'm doing my best to, to make it fit in terms of next oh, year. I, yeah, I think you could absolutely do And look, Eric Hosmer at the major league minimum is one heck of a tradable commodity if he starts to hit a little bit. Except he becomes a 10-5 guy. After this year, I guess so. But you know, is he kind of like, no, I don't want to leave Boston, where I've spent all of my last eight months. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's not like you're trading him from a place he's been forever. Who knows? But that's fair. Um, well, actually, would he be a ten? Oh no, he wouldn't be because he's no longer in the same be. organization. That's yeah, right. that's correct. Yeah, but how, so how about how about this scenario anymore. though? He opts out of his contract. Now you think that's crazy? Thirteen million dollars. Could he make more than thirteen million dollars? No. no. No, I no, probably no not. Way. Not unless he gets really no. hot. But let me ask you this about Cassis. I'm again. I'm trying to. I'm force a lot of this stuff into different narratives. But with Cassis, I watched him the other day, and I looked at his batting stance, and it's to me it was dramatically different from the guy I saw like say a year ago, certainly a year and a half ago, where that guy I saw, and I'm like, how does he hit a baseball? You know. He's he's way mm-hmm. he's spread out. Even two strikes, he gets even more spread out. He's choked way up. He's much more upright now. Did he change a lot, or am I just seeing things? Um, you know, I haven't seen him in, in the past couple weeks, just because uh, you know I haven't had the chance to see him in that time frame. So I don't know if he's changed something recently. One of the things about him as he's come up is he definitely takes a very sort of cerebral approach to developing as a hitter which is part of why, you know, some folks have said, oh, he's only got like an 800 OPS or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm not worried about that because he's worked on, you know, when he was in 
low A, he spent the first month hitting with what is now his two-strike approach just to try it, right? Uh, Last year, he was reportedly focusing on waiting more for his pitches to hit and seeing how that worked. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's tweaked a couple things with his setup. Whatever he's doing right now, it's working. It's working. Because he's he's having more success. And if you look at, like, hard-hit ball leaders over the course of the season, he's among the tops in AAA. Uh, despite being, you know, for the course of the season, he has had all of 18 plate appearances against younger pitchers than him. So, you know, to have the success he's having in AAA at his age, yeah, how, I think whatever he's doing is working. How about, so def- how about defensively, doing. Chris? Better than anything we've seen in Boston this year. Maybe not counting Hosmer, who's pretty good there. But I he, love that. Way better than Dahlbeck and, and Franchi. Um, he, he can pick it there. Look, they drafted him as a kid who had played some third base or was primarily a third baseman in high school. There was no chance he was going to stay over there, but he he's surprisingly nimble for being, you know, Sasquatch-sized. He's just a huge human. Um, it, there's really no other way to describe it. He can move a little bit. He's got pretty good hands. And with his size, I mean, he extends, you know, he, he takes like two feet off of how far the ball has to travel to throw a guy out at first, which in and of itself is a – is you know a positive defensively so yeah he'll be very good at the first base i don't have any worries about him needing to like all right, move chris, to dh or anything like that chris hadfield socks dot com, joining us on the harbor one hotline here in the bradford show i'm rob bradford along with coop all right coop i'm going to ask this question first so you can do some research okay. we're going to ask you one player who is not necessarily the, the top of the top right we've been asking you about mm-hmm. cassis mm-hmm. and meyer and Rafaela and all these guys Ask you about one player who we are uh, individually intrigued by, and maybe you can give us the what's what on him. All right, my guy mm-hmm. is going to be gonna no. You have no idea who I'm going to say. Zero idea who I'm going to say. Okay, my guy mm-hmm. is don't mess with the Drohan. All right. Okay. Shane, you caught me off guard there. Shane Drohan, a, a guy who was one of the the Red Sox draft picks in the uh, mm-hmm. the all messed up twenty. 2020, mm-hmm. we only have five rounds of draft picks draft uh, from Florida mm-hmm. State. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dante Ricciardi, who, who was the guy who scouted him, the son of JP. And mm-hmm. and I, so I've been following him because, you know, I talked to him right after the draft. And, and obviously, Ricciardi was building him up big time. And, and so I, I'm, like, intrigued by him. Huge strikeout rate, right? A lot of strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Just got promoted to Portland, correct? He did, yeah. He just had his debut this past week. He, he gave up four runs in five innings, but okay. his debut. We'll so what, what's your take on, on my guy Shane Drohan? So the thing with him coming, he's interesting, because coming into the year, it was a really good curveball. I like the curveball a lot. Um, I thought it was at least an above-average pitch, you know, seeing him in camp. The fastball command is lacking, and it's, it's you know, low 90s velocity, Command of it is not great, not a great combination. It looked like a future reliever. The, cra- the interesting thing this year is he's added a changeup that now might be his best pitch. We, we need to update his scouting report on, the, on our website because it calls it a, a fringe average or below average pitch. He might have an above average change to maybe better changeup right now that he just kind of added out of nowhere. He had this one game where he was dealing, and we, we knew a scout who was there who was sending us like, uh, this guy's changeup might be plus. And that was just completely surprising because that was not anything we were aware of and this is part of the fun of this um if those two pitches play up and if he can get that fastball command to like average 
he's really interesting. We've got him at 32 in the rankings right now. Uh, he was in the 30s before the, the draft and all the uh, guys they added at the trade deadline got in, added to the list. So he'll, he might be in the top 30 to end the year and chance to move up if he can just fix that. See, I like it. Especially, See? From, especially from the left side. It's intriguing. And and we're desperately anxious for his uh, his promotion so we can do the don't mess with the Drohan headline. All right, cool. I, I, every time I see his name, Rob. Oh, you're already, you're already thinking about the shirts, aren't you? Oh, please, oh, please, 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 yes. So <laughs> keep an eye on another. This is another great thing about it is that names like that, people know, know his name and they can keep track of him and boom, there he is. Yep. All right, Coop, what do you got? Brian Mata. Oh, Brian Mata. Number seven, some guy that I I think because he he isn't the top of the top for the prospects, but he also... But people are interested. Yeah. I mean, he's good. People should be. He is good. He flies under the radar for reasons that are unclear. Uh, You know, I think it's just it's prospect fatigue is the term you always hear. Um, You know, look, the, 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 the book on Mata has always been, and it still is, the stuff is really intriguing, but because of the command and the mechanics... There's a lot of reliever risk. That said, if he's a reliever, he could be a very good one. It's like when we used to talk about Tanner Houck potentially moving to the bullpen, but he would be a very good reliever. You know, it's like that. It's not uh, he's just going to turn into some mad middle reliever, although who knows with guys, right? Um, I've liked Mata a lot for a while. I love the stuff. I love that he added his slider in double A, and it's already his best, you know, secondary pitch. Um, you know, that fastball slider combo, and then he can he can mix in the curve. He can mix in the changeup. He's got four pitches that could potentially grid out his average. I look forward to seeing him probably make his debut next year. I don't think they're going to give him a shot this year, which makes some sense. Just let him concentrate on coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's, you know, he's on the 40-man, so they're going to have to get a look at him next year for sure, but just let him concentrate. I think it's interesting that they haven't moved him up to Worcester yet. He's still in Portland um, and has been there for, you know, he's he's about to go over 45 innings in his next start, presuming it's not a terrible one. But, uh, yeah, I really like Brian Mata. He's probably going to – it's going to look like he falls down in our next rankings just because we're going to put Rafael above him finally. But um, I, I'm really high on Mata. I like him a lot. All and, right. And the Hello Mata, the Hello Mata shirt. I was about to was say Mata. There. I mean, it's What's not, the Mata? Uh, there you go. But, you know, it's not no, – don't mess with the draw hand, but it's not that far off. All right. <laughs> All right, Chris Hatfield, SoxProspects.com. If it was the old day, I would be have to reimburse you for your phone bill. But uh, fortunately, we have a, the Bradfoe show has an unlimited budget when it comes to people calling in. So it's uh, voice is now horse. No, I just took a sip of coffee and it went down the wrong uh, way. So I'll right. tell you something medical it's, 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 it sounds like some sadness that we have to part ways now. But hey, we might have I'm a rain delay. Too. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> bring <laughs> it back on. Can you can you get the Brighton in time for the rain delay, yeah. uh, Chris? Hey. Hey, th- hey, man, thanks so much. It's always great talking with you. SoxProspects.com, your whole team is doing an awesome job. Um, and please, please, please let us know how we can help in any way, shape, or form. Friend of the Bradfoe Show, um, keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? It sounds like a plan. Thanks a lot for the invite, man. All right. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon 
into the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.